my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our theme for this week is truth in the age of fake news. And our questions on Monday, we looked at can truth exist in an age of fake news? On Tuesday, that was yesterday, uh, we asked how do the scriptures speak of end time religion? Today, we're asking don't all religions lead to the same end? Tomorrow, isn't it arrogant to say Jesus is the only way? And then finally we ask, what does the phrase just Jesus, what does it really mean? Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome to you, David. It's great to have you back again. Good afternoon, Gary. Is it cold enough for you outside? Actually, I haven't found today too bad. You haven't. You haven't been outside of your room, have you? I have, actually. I actually have. Uh, that's, uh, that, that's, I'm pleased about that. Um, tell me something, David. Now, yesterday I understand that you called together all, the, all your pastors that are responsible uh, to you, and you had a chat about COVID going forward. You know, where is the church going to go from here? Now, that would have been a, that's a very significant um, meeting. Now, now, tell me, what wisdom did the guys actually have? Yeah, look, really good question, and I'm sure there was definitely wisdom. Uh, this was our first meeting face-to-face with our pastoral team since, um, I guess, all of the um, uh, restrictions were placed mm-hmm. with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So it was really good to be together, to, to fellowship, and to to pray, to brainstorm as well. And, um, yeah, look, uh, all of that stuff's been collated. I haven't read it all, but essentially we're looking at, at the problem, what's broken and mm. I guess every church needs to look at, okay, why do we exist? What's the purpose of why we exist? Are you suggesting that there are some things which are broken? I think any uh, entity, any church can fall into the pattern, into patterns and routines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's our mission? You know, yeah. it's to, to lead people to Jesus Christ, to proclaim the good news yeah. of the gospel. Yeah. A- and so the church is not the building, it's the people. Yeah. And yet... All denominations, Christian denominations, come together uh, one morning or one day a week and sometimes in afternoons and evenings. But how much of what we're doing is actually uh, for ourselves and how much is for the community? So looking at uh, the church post-COVID, and none of us know exactly what it will look like, but we were challenging each other of what are some of the things we can do differently mm. to really fulfill the mission that God has given us? The church has certainly become very formal in recent years, hasn't it? There's a formality there that I'm not sure was actually existing in the New Testament church. It's interesting, you know, that um, the New Testament church, as it was birthed, uh, it it had to be active. It had to, to survive. It mm. had to proselytize. It had to win people to Jesus Christ. Uh, when churches plant churches today, yeah. you get a little glimpse of something similar. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess we're challenging ourselves, and I guess our, our pastoral team will go back to the churches they pastor and will continue to challenge their own leadership teams of what can we do different? What don't we need to continue doing? What can we do different to fulfill the, the gospel message that God has given us? It's certainly an ongoing discussion, isn't it? 
It is, and I'm sure not all of the dreams would be able to be implemented, and maybe yeah. not all of them are good, but we certainly need to uh, make some changes, I yeah. think, to, to reach the world. It certainly is a, a very important time for asking that question and searching for some answers, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. a change point. It is a change point, indeed. Yeah, thank you for that, David. Look, let's come to our uh, – I'm conscious of our um, – um, what do we call it uh, – uh, our – the world trends that we're facing uh, today and uh, just picking up some uh, some research that was released just yesterday and uh, this is the seventh installment of the American Worldview Inventory 2020 and this particular uh, survey was talking about uh, the perceptions of the value of human life and uh, this is um, uh, this is what it said uh, as America's and of course this is based also in America uh, again done by the Barna Foundation as America's biblical foundations continue to erode Americans' understanding of the fundamental nature of humanity and the value of human life appears to be shifting significantly with a large majority of Americans today they are believing that human beings are basically good now I'll get you to comment on this in a moment less than 40% see human life as having intrinsic value or being as sacred. The two things are put together against each other. Only a few conservative, deeply religious groups continue to claim a majority who view human life to be sacred. These include adults with a biblical worldview. It's interesting, those who have a biblical worldview, 93% of that particular group believe that human life is in fact sacred. Those attending an evangelical church, there's 60% of those, and born-again Christians, another 60%, hold that human life is in fact sacred. Then the second question that uh, this uh, uh, this survey actually responded to was that... Uh, um, are human beings basically good? The research shows that almost 7 out of 10, a whopping 69% of Americans, see human beings as being basically good. Now, that, that sounds very positive, but we're going to come to that in a moment because is that biblically, uh, biblically sound? Now, I'm interested in reading the conclusion of this particular report, and this is uh, called the American Worldview Inventory 2020. So if you want to go online, you can, uh, you can actually pick this up. And at the, uh, at the conclusion, this is what the report says. The movement, uh, are, the, they ask the question, are we protesting the wrong problem? The movement to defund police departments might make sense if people are innately good. People with a humanistic worldview argue that crime and violence happen because of poverty, bad parenting, systemic discrimination and other external forces. The veteran researcher, this is Barna, noted, yet crime statistics, political tensions, tendencies towards anger and hatred and America's moral deterioration and confusion suggest that we are neither innately good nor that our emotional responses to empirical challenges will solve those particular problems. The underlying issues, the conclusion says, are ill-formed character and broken moral compass. Economic, social and cultural depravity are outgrowths of our moral and character deficiencies, not causes, he said. Poor people 
with a godly character and biblical morals make good choices. Rich people with a bad character and inappropriate morals make bad choices despite their education, fame, wealth and social class. I found this particular survey to be incredibly instructive. The uh, The survey went on uh, to say this. Barna suggested that the solution is not to have more or different laws but to invest in a more uh, effective human development. You cannot change the hearts of people by outlawing racism. You will not create peace by passing laws and forcing compliance. Efforts to facilitate the economic equality through resource redistribution have never successfully resulted in the expected or the desired outcomes. From a biblical perspective, the problem is, and here it comes, that we have a sin nature, pure and simple. We can deny it, but it still exists. Every society can benefit from the specific system changes, present-day America included. But any systemic changes designed to transform the culture will be short-lived and of limited impact unless the hearts and minds of the people who populate the system are actually transformed first. It's not popular to admit (laughs) the... um, survey concludes, but our baseline problem is rebellion against goodness and holiness driven by our arrogance and selfishness. These are hard words. Our problem is spiritual rather than political or economic, Barna said. Given the cultural challenge we are facing today, our best strategy is to collectively turn to God, humble ourselves before him, earnestly seek his love and forgiveness, and follow his wisdom and guidance david what's your thinking about this survey it's insightful isn't it uh, i mean the two key points there that um americans no longer see human life as sacred that's that's quite profound very profound and what do you it, think the implications of that are well one would lead to well if you don't think much of someone you you'll just knock them off you, you, you'll take their life what value is there in life exactly um you don't then believe that human beings are made in the image of God, mm. which goes against Scripture. I mean, Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew, he said, you know, um, your life is worth more than sparrows. So Jesus saw the sanctity of human life, the yeah. value of human life. So if you don't value human life, then base passions just take over. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that's what Barna is saying. You know, you can't change racism. You can make laws and government's jobs uh, to legislate. But there is a baseline problem. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's what he's doing here, I believe, is actually picking up that particular baseline problem. I think of, uh, I think it's Second Peter, I think it is. But you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. I love First John, where John talks about, Beloved, now are we the sons and the daughters of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he does appear, we will be like him. You know, to me, when I view my brother, my sister, other people in the street, even those of different color and race, as being sons and daughters of the Most High God, you know, my attitude to them really changes in a big way, doesn't it? Because of what the Bible teaches about the value of human life, and then as you accept what the Bible says, you are compelled Mm. by the love of God to do so. I mean, John 3.16, for God so loved Mm. the world. That's Mm. humanity. Um, I think uh, uh, Romans chapter 5 gives this beautiful picture. 
uh, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Now, if there is no value in human life, did Jesus waste his time? Did yeah. he go through all of that for nothing? Yeah. Yeah, they're, uh, they're powerful questions, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, while we're still enemies, he came for us. The other one there, um, on, which is interesting, they say basically humanity is good. That's that's the result of the of the yeah. survey. You know, sixty yeah. percent of people saying yes, basically humanity is good. Yeah, it's good, but they don't see the sanctity in life. Yeah. Not only that, Jesus uh, to the rich young ruler. Uh, you get this in Matthew nineteen. You get it in Luke eighteen. Uh, you also get it in Mark. Uh, he says this, the rich, young ruler, sorry, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher. Mm. Jesus' response is, no one is good but God. Yeah. Um, the picture of Scripture is that um, the human heart is deceitfully wicked, that there is nothing that we do that um, is good in and of itself. So it's the direct opposite. In other words, this this view that man is innately good means that he actually doesn't need to change. That's correct, and he doesn't need a saviour. He doesn't need a saviour. And whereas what Scripture comes from is the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and it asks who can know it, you know. So uh, Scripture actually comes from the perspective, not the positive perspective that man is basically good, but rather man is basically evil, his heart is evil, but there is a solution. There's an intervention. Yeah, there is an intervention. And that's Jesus Christ, God himself coming into this world. And I think we're probably going to get onto that, yeah. um, this this whole concept of people being innately good or the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very powerful what you're actually sharing there, uh, David. Thank you so much for that. Let's uh, come to some music. This is uh, Andre Crouch. It's not just a story. Love this song. I heard the story of Jesus Sounded like music in my head Became real 
to me. When your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family, or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. That's a really beautiful book. I love reading that particular book. It's part of a series of five books, and uh, you'll be richly blessed if, you, uh, if you're able to grab that particular copy. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And the big question for today, does all religion lead to the same end? You know, the New Age movement has exploded around the world. In any shopping centre, there are shops that sell uh, crystals. They stock an amazing array of materials that have their foundation in Buddhist, Hindu, even pseudo-Christian belief. It's become a real melting pot. This new age, it's a melting pot. I was uh, I was reading... Um, the uh, the testimony of a of a fellow who came who moved out from the new age uh, spirituality and uh, uh, this is what he said he, f- he found Jesus Christ after an experience of Jesus and going uh, into deeper study in the new age I realized that Jesus Christ of the Bible was exactly who he claimed to be. I became a born-again Christian and gave up everything I was involved in with the New Age. And since then, I've received a lot of backlash. I found this incredibly insightful, this backlash. One of the objections that got raised is that one religion cannot possibly be true, that they all point towards the same divine truth. Someone said, I can't understand how you can uh, walk... Uh, it can be right to walk out your door each morning and feel that everyone else around you is wrong. How can there be so many world religions and only one be correct? They must be pointing, the New Age says, towards some common universal truth. Isn't it just rude and judgmental? Isn't it even arrogant to claim that you have the only path to God and that the majority of the world is lost at sea? You know, David, as I read this particular article, I sort of, um, I sort of thought, hey, there's a lot of people who would actually agree with this, and there's a lot of people who would actually um, have a similar testimony as well. It's a really interesting question. Do all world religions lead to the same end as we find increasingly presented in the New Age movement? It's huge, this movement. It's starting to really have an impact in the religious field. What's your thinking? It would be easy to answer it if we said yes. But that would be wrong. Yeah. That would be wrong. And it's a bit like this. Um, All religions, they could all be wrong. They could all be false. 
but they can't all be correct. They can't all be right because they are simply diametrically opposed, many of them. Mm -hmm. They might hold some similarities such as do good to others, um, do unto others what you want them to have to do, have good morals, those sorts of things. But at their core, they are diametrically opposed. So any truth claim is exclusive. Mm -hmm. If I say that the God I serve is the one true God, I'm making an exclusive claim. Uh, And a system that says, uh, a belief system that says, well, doesn't matter what your view of the divine is, Mm -hmm. we'll all end up in the one place, is not, well, in itself, I guess that's an exclusive claim. But it's denying, if it really looks at it, it's denying what those individual religions actually teach. Yeah, yeah. Once you start to move into this area of saying, hey, uh, this is a thing called truth, what you have is an exclusion of all other alternatives. If I say, for example, that outside today it's wet and rainy and horrible, then it's either outside wet and rainy and horrible, or it's not. It's actually a statement of truth, or it's not a statement of truth. And any statement of truth is an exclusive claim. Exactly. And that, to me, is the really significant thing here. A statement of truth is, by its nature, an exclusive trait. In fact, that's one of the, it's called the, the second law of, uh, of logic. That is actually one of the, um, philosophically, that is actually accepted as being as an established law. If, in fact... It is something is a truth claim, and if something is in fact actually true, then it has to be, by its nature, exclusive. And what desire would I have to follow a religion that is claiming to make no truth claims? Exactly. Do, what do the what does the Christian religion actually say on this on this matter? I mean, you know, there are so many different world religions out there. You know, I'm conscious that you know you have got the you know you've got Buddhist, Hindu, you got the the Islamic people. Uh, you have got as I go around the world, there are there are a multiplied thousands of religions, and yet Christianity is audacious enough to say there is one way. That's huge. There is, but I would also say these other religions are audacious in saying that all roads lead to to Rome, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. They all lead to the same divine. Uh, Maybe, Gary, if we can just sort of have a look at about the New Age, like the little article you read. Essentially, the New Age, these Eastern religions, if you like, are essentially saying you are not good, you are not evil, you are God. Yeah. Yeah. And what they're really saying is that... um, Everything is divine, all is one, mm-hmm. and we create our own reality. Yeah. That's what these New Age religions teach. Um, yoga, for instance, has been said that the, the word, and I haven't checked this out, so I say it's been said, that the word yoga means yoked to the divine, wow. joint to the divine. Wow. And I honestly believe that... Um, Yoga has its connections back in Eastern spirituality. And and Eastern meditation and yeah. Because and the Eastern meditation, because everything's divine. In fact you are divine if you like. Uh, everything is one. Uh, and we create our own reality. Hence comes the whole meditation type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think this is inherently 
uh, dangerous for Christians, this yeah. whole New Age movement. Yeah. Yeah. It's diametrically opposed what, to what, what it's Bible actually says. doing is bringing together the, the beliefs of many different world religions. It's, it, it's, uh, it's presenting a, a line of thought that says, well, it really doesn't, uh, truth is something that we're all able to ascend to. We're going to actually make it to all world religions are basically presenting the same belief. For example, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's a, a very common belief among certainly all the religions that I'm, I'm certainly aware Absolutely. of. And certainly a worthy um, objective because I want to be able to love my neighbor as myself. Uh, but what I'm conscious of is that it actually moves a long way beyond that. And look, these Eastern religions um, have no place for the God of Scripture. Ultimately, they have no place if you mm-hmm. follow it through mm-hmm. um, because uh, the Jesus of history never called people to find the divine within themselves or to create their own reality. That's mm-hmm. what the New Age does. You can find the divine within yourself. You can create your own reality. Instead, Jesus called people to repent to turn from their evil, vain attempts to to do things their own way, which is works religion, and to turn to him as the Lord of life. Mm. All of these Eastern religions say you can find that within yourself yeah. and you can work at it to achieve it. And, and that is actually very significant because if, in fact, um, you know, many world religions are saying that you can find fulfillment within yourself, but Christianity turns around and says, well, no, you can't, uh, that you're actually a sinner and there is actually a solution for you, but this is what the solution is. The solution is not within you. You know, immediately you've got something here that is uh, diametrically opposed. You've got uh, one particular or more than one religion saying, hey, this. Uh, is is the way to God. Another saying, hey, really, it's a totally different process. And, uh, you know, in answer to our question, you know, do all world religions lead to the same end? You've got this uh, this opposing worldview that is, um, is almost impossible, well, that is impossible to reconcile. Absolutely. And any attempt to try and reconcile these opposing views together, what does it have to do? It has to do away with truth. Yeah. You end up with nothing. And it's very interesting. The teaching of Scripture is diametrically opposed to these worldviews that, that um, uh, we can reach perfection through unity, uh, that all is one. Uh, all of that is diametrically opposed to Scripture. In fact, um, as we said before, the scriptural picture is that God intervened in human history mm, mm. because we don't we can't find God within ourselves. We are not God. We can't create our own reality. Yeah. That is certainly the Christian worldview, isn't it? It is. So Jesus uh, by comparison to these Eastern religions, Jesus affirmed the reality of a one creator God, one creator God who, note this, who is personal and moral personal moral being, whom we're actually accountable to. And Jesus uh, gives us this picture of this personal being in the Lord's Prayer. Mm. He doesn't say, my Father who is in heaven. He says, our Father. Our Father. So there is not this, um, uh, this uh, airy, fairy sort of picture that you can create your own reality or yeah. that God is within you. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus gives us a picture of a personal God who intervenes. And when he prays to him, he says, our Father, who yeah. art in heaven. 
Um, uh, so there is no universal, impersonal energy or force or principle. Instead, Jesus is this divine being, this, this God-man that intervenes in human history. And he comes as the God-man and he dies because we can't reach nirvana ourselves. Yeah, yeah. In other words, Christianity, what it does is it gives a solution to the problem of humanity, but it says that the solution itself actually comes as a result of the act of the Almighty God. This is not something that we've been able to actually work up within ourselves in order to uh, to achieve Nirvana, as you correctly say. Eastern religion says it's with inside of you. You've just got to separate yourself from all the temporary things. You've got to focus. You can find that new reality. The Bible says, no, you're desperately wicked. Jesus comes into the world and intervenes because he is the only answer. Yeah. Yeah. So in other words, the answers themselves are actually diametrically opposed. Exactly. So how can can Christianity make that audacious claim? Mm. Simply because truth has to be truth. Yeah, yeah. And and this is where, David, to me, I I challenge our listeners to actually look at the available evidence because, you know, one of the beautiful things to me about Christianity is that while it makes some audacious claims, it actually provides amazing evidence that actually backs up those claims. I mean, when when you think of it, you know, the, the sorts of claims that Christianity makes that there was a dead man, Jesus Christ, who actually came back to life. You know, we've actually got um, Jesus Christ who worked miracles. Uh, We've got a thing called predictive prophecy. And, you know, as I read my scriptures, I sort of look at that and I say, wow, we've got a God here who has said audacious things, but he's also left sufficient evidence behind for us to be able to pick up and really establish our faith on. Absolutely. So what you have just said, Gary, at the center of the Christian worldview is God. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. At the center of this New Age movement's view, these Eastern religions, is self. Is self. And guess where that ultimately comes from? And that is actually, that's diametrically opposed again, isn't it? Well, isn't, doesn't sin first breed itself in selfishness, in self? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what Lucifer in heaven, um, you know, he opposed God. Yeah, yeah. Self got in the way. I know on one particular occasion I had the uh, the privilege. I, I actually went to uh, one of the parliaments of world religion. Uh, this was uh, probably 10 or 15 years ago. I didn't particularly uh, agree with everything that was uh, was being presented, but I wanted to see exactly where they were coming from. And, you know, the thing that really stood out to me, there was certainly every world religion that was actually represented there, but the one uh, the one thing which was totally anathema, the one there were literally hundreds of seminars at this parliament of world religion i had the privilege to go to a number of them and uh, took copious notes but uh, the one thing that uh, that really stood out to me was that at no point were there any seminars that talked about uh, jesus christ as being unique you know that was one seminar that was not allowed to be presented you know and when i think of the, the book of acts you know you sort of get this this picture of you know jesus christ there is no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved uh, you know to me, it's an amazing, it's exclusive, but is the evidence to support it, mm. I think is a really key question. And what you just shared with going to that um, Parliament of World Religions with all these different things there, um, and there was nothing there about Jesus. Nothing. So nothing. 
they were being exclusive. It's interesting. There were actually many Christian religions there and certainly able to present some of the, you know, worthwhile social, social teachings that were, were certainly presented by, by Christian religions. But the heart and core of Christianity, which is, of course, uh, the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the one thing that was unable to be presented. I didn't find any evidence anywhere of that teaching being presented. And you know, if it's correct, and I believe it is, mm. then it's incredibly dangerous to be coming to uh, looking at a world religion without looking at the central claims of a man called Jesus Christ. And that's where there is a huge um, divergence, isn't there? Christians believe that our liberation comes uh, by grace through faith yeah. in Jesus Christ, his death yeah. and his resurrection, like you've just said. Um, many strands of Hinduism they teach that we reach that spiritual liberation through the knowledge of inner divinity. Yeah, and and that is something that again is diametrically opposed to Christianity. How, I mean, how can you unite? How them? can you unite the two? You can't unite. You can't bring these two together. They are just so far apart. It it's almost like saying uh, black is white. That's right. And then you go to Buddhism, and Buddhism talks about this path of knowledge leading to nirvana. Yeah. Well, that's um, a path you attain through your own works. Yeah. Again, diametrically opposed to the teachings of Scripture and to, and to the claims of Christianity. Yeah, yeah. No, what you're saying there is, David, I think is really, really significant. Um, what about the, the Christian scriptures? Do they do they add anything to, to, to what you're actually uh, teaching at the moment? Because I'm so conscious that what we're actually saying here has to, surely the scriptures have got something to say about uh, this, the, this situation. I mean, what do the scriptures say? Yeah, the scriptures make some pretty strong claims. Mm. As you've said, that other people that uh, don't adhere to Christianity might consider to be arrogant, exclusive. How can you dare say those sorts of things? But like, like a little survey of scripture just pulls out a few things that I'll share with you. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 18, we have this uh, great man, Moses, mm. that uh, is almost at the end of his journey. And uh, in Deuteronomy 29, verse 18, it says, So that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Uh, Moses is basically saying that you shouldn't be going to serve the gods of these surrounding nations yeah. in the land which you're going to go into, Canaan. Now, there is one true God, Moses would say. Yeah. That's what the, the first five books of the Bible talk about. And, you and know, it's important that for us to realize why God was actually saying that because, you know, not only are these false gods, but these false gods actually expected things that the God of heaven said, I would never, these things never even came into my mind. I mean, I think, for example, of the, the worship of, of Baal and the human sacrifice that was involved. You know, can, can you imagine that you've actually got a God that says, uh, well, what I'd like you to do is to uh, place your baby on the outstretched hands of an idol that's been heated to almost molten level. Burn the baby. Burn the baby uh, as a sacrifice. Can you imagine? And God, God, God just simply said, hey, this sort of thing has never even come into my mind. And that was to appease these gods. To appease the, the gods. gods. And the question I have to ask was, were those gods true gods? 
Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So in other words, once we, once we start to get into the detail of what world religions have actually taught in the past and also in present, you start to see that this belief breaks down in a rather significant manner. Absolutely. I mean, Joshua goes on from Moses, Joshua chapter 23. He says, um, unless you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them. Why? Because just like some of the things you've just said. Uh, It's interesting, too, the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, verse 22, makes a very exclusive claim. Um, Turn to me and be saved. Mm. All you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Yeah. Only one way. I am God and there is no other. That's powerful, isn't it? Because that's actually the uh, the picture that's painted continually through uh, the book of Isaiah. You get this this picture of a uh, of a God. He is the only God. He's the one God. There is no other way uh, to salvation but through the God of heaven. And uh, all other um, world religions who are serving other gods were were eliminated in the were were to be. Moved, we were not accepted by anything in the in the Old Testament. In fact, you know, I think even even David, I'm so conscious of the the Christian missionary movement. Mm. You know, in in recent times, the missionary movement has actually fallen on hard times. You know, there are uh, people who would argue and say, well, you know, we actually changed culture um, when missionaries went to foreign lands. But, you know, when uh, when people realise what those cultures arising from their religion actually involved, you know, I am proud of the fact that missionaries went and preached the gospel and people's hearts were changed. They were converted. They were converted. They were converted. They were converted. And ultimately that was the aim of the Old Testament Israel. Yeah. They were to be a special people yeah. following what God declared for their own benefit so the nations of the world would come to them and see the difference between the gods that they worship, human sacrifices, etc., mm-hmm. and the one true God of heaven who is the giver of life and the author of life. In fact, so many of the prophets of the Old Testament were actually sent uh, to heathen nations from Israel to call them back to the God of heaven as opposed to the gods that they were serving that required these abominable practices which God says I never even thought or considered these things. So you've touched on a claim there Gary Um, God sent some of his prophets to other nations that didn't serve him. So the claims of the Bible are Exclusive, yeah, but they're inclusive for the entire human race. And I think of Jonah; he went to to Nineveh. Yeah, he had an exclusive message. Yeah, yeah, but it was inclusive for the entire nation. And, and that, to me, is the beautiful thing about uh, Christianity. It's both inclusive of the entire world, but it is still exclusive. It is come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Where does rest come? It comes in Jesus Christ. But mm. who does get called? Those who get called are those who, you know, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. Who's Who labors and are heavy laden in this world? Hey, as I look at my world. It's the world we live in, isn't it? It's the world we live in. You know, that's the call. It's a free, it's an open, it's please come. You know, I, I, I hear here the uh, the wonderful call of a beautiful God who's saying, hey, look, I don't want you to be laboring like the way you are. 
I, I really want you to be able to come to me. Because God knows there is only one way to salvation. Yeah. So he makes that exclusive claim, but he says, I want everyone yeah. to take part of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a lovely, lovely picture. Let's come to some music. This is my leader, Fong. Uh, I have a friend. And how true this is. We have a friend, a wonderful friend. will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To 
receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And our big question for today, does all world religion lead to the same end. David, what about the New Testament? Just bring this together for us. Yeah, so let's look at some um, some stories and situations in the New Testament. I guess it's good to start with Jesus. Yeah. What did Jesus say about varying truth claims? Was yeah. he happy with it? Did he think it was a good thing or did he not? Matthew 7 verse 15 in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So Jesus is saying there will be some who 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 look as though... They're good. They look as though what they have is uh, is right. It's attractive. But inside, they're actually ravenous wolves. What is a prophet, David? A prophet is a mouthpiece uh, for, for the divine, for God. The prophet doesn't speak their own words. They speak the message that God gives them. So they're really speaking on behalf of? On behalf of God. Okay. And so uh, what Christ is saying in this particular passage is to beware of these false prophets. Exactly. Now, that can come from within Christianity, obviously, but also this goes for all religions that are false. So beware of false prophets. They look attractive. The New Age looks attractive, self-help. You can elevate yourself, but it's ultimately what's behind it is not good. In Matthew 16, verses 11 and 12, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and um, they don't get what he's saying. He says, How is it that you do not understand that I do not speak to you concerning bread? This is after the feeding of the 5,000, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Mm. he's saying, look, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they sort of think, oh, Jesus is at them and he's unhappy with them because they didn't get any bread. Mm. Mm. Um, Then he made it very clear. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but rather of the doctrine or the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Jewish religious leaders. So in other words, he's actually having a go, if you like, of his own his own countrymen, his own uh, nation. I mean, he has been brought up a Jew, and Christ is even talking about his own nation. When human concepts come in and mingle with the divine. Yeah. Because yeah. that leads people away from God. It does. It does. Um, it, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 has some very strong language similar to what Jesus used actually in Matthew 7. He says, Therefore take heed to yourselves, Acts 20 verses 28 to 30, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among you which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. But this is what he says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So if someone tries to draw away God's followers after themselves, that's a human religion. 
Mm. Man-made religion. In other words, uh, and this is something that we tend to overlook and ignore in much uh, church-based discussion these days. You know, it's it seems to be uh, accepted that uh, so long as you know we're preaching a um, that uh, that an individual is being uh, being fair and just, that apparently uh, that is good religion. And you know, to an element, there is actually a good truth in that. In Micah six eight says uh, for uh, we uh, what does God require of you to, but to do justly to love mercy to walk humbly with your God that's true mm. but do you know as I go through the New Testament Christ actually amplifies what that means in a really beautiful way he does absolutely yeah and he, he makes exclusive claims with that yeah yeah I think the Apostle Paul makes a pretty um, interesting comment here in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 19 and 20. And he's talking um, to believers uh, where there is food that's been um, offered and sacrificed to idols to be blessed. And this is what he says to them uh, in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. He says, What I'm saying then, that an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything, rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. So what he's actually saying is that um, the concept behind these food offerings to pagan gods, he's really saying, his words are, that they're really sacrificing to demons and not to God. And that actually is, if you like, a false religion. Paul says have nothing to do with have it. Have nothing to do with it. So the if we extrapolate on that, what we're really what Paul I believe is really saying is that all of these other religions they're not from God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So all of these other religions ultimately have to have behind them spirits of demons. Mm, That's powerful. David, look, I'm conscious our time is starting to run away, but I'd like to just come to one more question because I'm so conscious that many would say that we're actually um, intolerant in presenting Christianity as exclusive. Now, I... uh, when I was looking at this particular uh, subject, somebody, um, uh, I stumbled across an article and, and this is what it said. In speaking about tolerance, one author said this, the only problem is that the word has totally changed in meaning. Tolerance used to mean something along the lines of respecting or honouring people for their individual views, opinions or actions, even if I didn't agree with them. But today the definition of, in, of tolerance more closely resembles giving everyone and everything equal space to be right. There's an acceptance of all views and actions as though they were equally true and lack any judgment towards another's views. If tolerance just means being nice and kind and respectful – then why all the fuss? I propose that tolerance and intolerance is not the real issue we are debating. It's only, it's only the politically correct, easy to argue smokescreen disguising the deeper problem that we don't really want to address. That's the issue of truth. Absolute truth as found in the Bible. Do you think, David, that the definition of tolerance 
has changed in recent years? Clearly. And we are moving into a very strong, we're already in, I should say, a very strong politically correct climate, yeah. which silences discerning, silences dissenting voices. Yeah, yeah. So how do we deal with that? Because because that is the world environment that we're increasingly living in today. And I know that, you know, certainly, you know, as I present a truth to people, they are they are very reticent to often share that truth with with others because they're frightened of how how the other person uh, might perceive their fairness or that they're being judged or you know how do we deal with this? It's a difficult one because Christianity is being squeezed out of the, the marketplace, out of the, the, the public space, if you like, yeah. the public forum. Um, I think it's like this. If there's a fire blazing inside a home and um, the people inside that home are going to die and there is one exit, yeah. should I sit back and sort of say, oh, I hope, you, hope you're going to be okay there, Um you can choose any option if you like, or should I actually say this is the only option that you'll be able to get out of that blazing home alive? Yeah, yeah. That's, that I think is an excellent illustration there, David. Um, I, I know myself, I pick up and I, I often share, um, first Peter, uh, 3.15 because I think this is a powerful text where Peter is actually sharing with uh, those that he is talking, talking to how to actually share uh, the reality of even uh, politically correct uh, teachings because Peter did face exactly the same issues in his day. This is not something that's not actually something new, new no. to us today. What Peter said this is this, First Peter 3, verse 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Sanctify, of course, means to set aside, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you, but do it with meekness and fear. Uh, David, what is that what is that saying to you? We need to speak the truth, but we need to do it in love. I don't think there's a place for us to be on the soapbox damning everyone to eternal yeah, hell, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think also in First Peter chapter 3, what I like there is uh, verses 1 to one to 2. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. But that's not what I want to say. That's another text there, though. That's another, hopefully, <laughs> Megan's listening. But then it goes on, that even if some do not obey the word, this is the part I like, even if some don't obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. So if you're in an, in an unbelieving environment, if, if one yeah. spouse is a believer and one is not, what the Apostle Peter is saying, don't bash them over the head with the Scriptures. Yeah. Instead, let them see without preaching the word, let them see by your godly conduct that there is something attractive and discerning and that they will yeah. be won by that. Yeah. Now, yeah. that doesn't exclude what you've just said. And because what Peter is saying is that while we have to live in that manner, he also talks about always be ready to give a defense. In other words, to be able to present the gospel. C comes back to the sanctity of life. Do we really believe that everyone's made in God's image that there is destruction if they don't choose Jesus? And if we see life like that, that Jesus died for each human being, yeah. then shouldn't we also feel concerned mm. yeah. for others? Yeah. David, please pray for us. Dear Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, we don't pray to an impersonable God, someone that is not real, someone that is not tangible. We thank you that um, you 
entered into this world, that Jesus came, the God-man came, he lived and he died because there is no help, there is no rescue in and of ourselves. We are not divine. Mm -hmm. We thank you that Jesus is coming back. We thank you that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And, Father, give us as Christians, give us a voice, a voice Mm -hmm. that is love, a voice full of love, but a voice that is prepared to speak the truth. Yeah. So we ask for courage, dear Lord. We ask for understanding. We ask for humbleness. But may we not steer or shy away from speaking words that are ultimately going to bring life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time, big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we ask, isn't it arrogant? We dig more into this question. Isn't it arrogant to say Jesus is the only way? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Christian Badal. Find us faithful. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road And those who've gone before us line the way Cheering on the faithful Encouraging the weary Their lives a stirring testament To God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us run the race not only for the prize But as those who've gone before us Let us leave to those behind us The heritage of faithfulness Passed on through godly 